All right, it's, it's time for the show to start. But hey, Libby, do you have like just a couple of bucks? I need to get a copy of this soundtrack before things get going. Can you help me out? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. Okay, thanks. Uh, just like two dollars will do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here's here's a couple bucks. How much can it really cost anyway? Uh, it's a couple of bucks, but you know what? That's great. Thanks. You know, it's true what they say. Senior citizens, while slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. Dude, I'm like four years older than you. Eh. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all of our favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my co-host, my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, I am so sorry for everything I'm about to say tonight. Yeah, you should be. This is this was bad. I mean, we've done some really bad movies. This is almost like a bad movie, good soundtrack podcast. Kind of. But yeah. this, this was the worst. I didn't think we were going to be able to top Godzilla, but this was... Oh boy! I mean, it's a race. It's a race to the bottom, really. I think it really is. This is like I understand that sometimes films uh, don't hold up, mm-hmm. especially '90s films. Uh, don't don't hold up in our sort of woke era. This I don't know how it held up in 1994. It's really tough now, yeah, because you look at it now and it's it's obvious what the problems with this movie are. So, but then back then, I. Oh, my my only excuse is I was a child and I didn't know better. I guess. And of course, uh, for those of you just tuning in, we are talking about 1994's Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Starring Jim Carrey and Jeff. It's Jeff Daniels, right? Not Jeff Bridges. It's Jeff Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because Jeff Bridges in Dumb and Dumber would be uh, different. That would be a sight. Yeah, absolutely. That would actually be awesome. This it, It's coming into focus a little bit that Jim Carrey really is like the arch nemesis of this show. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure he is, he's our mortal enemy. He's, he's our mortal enemy on this earth. And I'm sure he's going to appear more than once as we continue on this path of ours. Yes. And this is sort of the start. This is kind of a Farrelly brother series. We're starting because you hate me, I guess. I don't know. I mean, what have I ever done to you? A great many things, Libby. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who watched the identical for you? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I can't argue, but you have to admit this is fun, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and actually, uh, one of the things we're gonna talk about tonight was just how fucking amazing the soundtrack was. It's in like direct correlation to how bad this movie is. Is how great this soundtrack is. I kind of couldn't believe it i was thinking there'd be you know one or two tracks i know uh the big single from this i've always loved but i was really surprised at how many good songs came off of this i'm actually thinking about picking this up on vinyl it got a reissue a couple years ago oh yeah a double lp i want to say there's a picture disc of this actually not that i don't want to see that (laughs) no no i don't want to see any more of jim carrey's stupid canadian face than i have to (laughs) Canada gave us so many great things. I mean, they gave us 
uh, Second City, and everything good that came out of that. They gave us Shit's Creek. They gave us uh, Rush. They gave us the Tragically Hip. But they also gave us Jim Carrey. Like, why did they do that? Shouldn't is that doesn't that violate some sort of convention? I mean, it, human it, rights issue. It's got to be in the Geneva Conventions or something, you know. I know. It, it, this it's it's the '90s curse is what it is because like once. 2000 hits Jim Carrey like Jim Carrey mania kind of just stops thank that's about the only good thing that came out of 2000s because on the other hand um it was the rise of rap rock yeah that's true that's true they, they have I'm not sure which I hate they were more. kind of contemporaneous so I'm not saying one <laughs> caused the other but you know maybe more people should have gone to see man on the moon I don't know I would agree there man on the, you know what we should do the soundtrack to man on the moon because that's a Jim Carrey movie I like that is actually a fairly good movie and it's got a good soundtrack, so mm-hmm. okay. That may that may be. Speaking, we may have to actually give some props to Jim Carrey at some speak, point. Speaking of fairly good movies, let's talk about Dumb and Dumb. I'm sorry, that was maybe the worst pun I've ever made. Oh my god, why are you like this? <laughs> Mostly, it's because of Dumb and Dumber. So, well, before we do that, we've got some uh, unfinished business. Actually, from last um, week, we have double duty unfinished business because last week we said we had listener feedback and we forgot about it okay and i have Let's... it up in front of me now but yeah, this is a piece of fan mail that we got uh, a few months back and it fell through the cracks and we do apologize for that you know these things happen uh this is a letter that comes to us from a listener of ours named doug who hi doug who wants to thank us for making a show that is as traffic endangeringly frustrating <laughs> as it is hilariously satisfying I love That's that. the best compliment I've ever received. He does want to let us know, though, we are, of course, deeply, objectively wrong in our opinions multiple times per episode. For example, ahem, the song GoldenEye should have received massive scorn for its garish use of synthesized brass. Uh, no. The, yeah, the brass that's is, wrong. Is I'm sorry, Doug. You're, yeah, Doug, you're very, very wrong on this. Yeah, it, it was 1995. That was the national anthem with synthesized brass. Yeah, it's what we do in this country. Mm. It's our biggest export after racism. That's true. Uh, number two, David Newman's score for Tommy Boy is not brilliant at all and is clearly just the orchestral part of Bonjour from the from Beauty and the Beast transcribed while high. We're not saying that it isn't, but it's delightful and lovely. And who doesn't love some bombastic fat guy running music? <laughs> I certainly do. And finally, number three, Massive Attack isn't actually a band. It's just what room tone sounded like in the 90s. I can't. That's fair. I cannot argue that. You're, it's good that we have some uh, some clarification on that. So thank you. Remember early on in the show when we said Massive Attack was going to be on everything and then they never showed up again? I know. I feel like we've disappointed everybody. <laughs> Whoops-a-doodle. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it is my screaming of such things at my podcast app while driving that makes listening to you so much fun. And seriously, you both hit the nail on the head so often, it's scary. Miss Cudmore, I... Mrs., excuse you. I literally told my wife four months ago, honey, this is the year for Tom Jones. <laughs> we are on the leading edge of a culture-wide movement. Oh, I hope your Tom Jones year went well. This is the year for Burt Bacharach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell your wife I said hi. And he also requests at, one, at some point that we discuss the soundtrack to uh, Muppets from Space. Okay, so we could do that. Uh, probably after Muppet Treasure Island. If we're going to start with a Muppet movie, it's going to be Muppet Treasure Island. If we're going to start with a Muppet movie, maybe it should be the Muppet movie. Maybe. He also adds, uh, please keep up the good work and thank you for your service. But he signs it, it can't rain all the time. Doug, 
I love you, despite how often you are wrong. <laughs> That's, that is fantastic, Doug, and thank you. And if you would like to send us letters, you can email those to us at ostpartypod at gmail.com. We will read them, I promise. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our uh, second bit of uh, old business from last episode, we do have uh, a poll to, to get to. Libby, do you have that up and ready? So this week's poll... For our UHF episode, which again, thanks to Rich Bunnell for uh, for joining us on that. We had a lot of fun yes, it was with a great that episode. Time. Uh, we asked what the best song on the UHF soundtrack, uh, with 45% on the vote, was the title track, UHF. With uh, 33% of the vote was Beverly Hillbillies. With 16% of the vote was Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. And with 6% of the vote was Attack of the radioactive hamsters from somewhere near mars am i getting that right yeah. that couldn't all fit in the poll yeah it's, it's <laughs> a little much so yeah that was that was a fun episode to do i would like to thank me for voting for radioactive hamsters way to go man <laughs> i put that one on there just for you that's that song is very me i know it's extremely <laughs> and then of course uh also later on we posted some photos from our own uh ridiculous trips across america and you got to see the biggest ball of twine in Cocker city kansas in the world I excuse did. me Yes, it was beautiful. Honestly, that the fourth picture of me wrapping twine might be my new author photo. <laughs> there is nothing more fun in this world than wrapping twine around a giant ball. <laughs> it's great. Oh man! So, and we do have to go to the Georgia Guidestones one of these days. I'm excited. Mm, if we go, if I go often enough, maybe they'll kidnap me. Wait, no. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. You and I are just delaying the inevitable. We really are. So before we get into Dumb and Dumber, I want to talk about a little bit of billboarding school real quick. Yes. I'd be interested this. In this album debuted on the charts January 7th, 1995 at number 183. That week, uh, the number one album in America was Garth Brooks's uh, The Hits compilation. The number one soundtrack at number 13 was The Lion King soundtrack. This was on the charts for 18 weeks. Uh, where it peaked at number 62, and the week it fell off the charts, May 13th, 1995, the number one album in America was the soundtrack to the movie Friday. That That is acceptable. Mm -hmm. That's an acceptable exchange. Yeah, yeah, really is. <laughs> but like, it just kind of goes to show you, like, Dumb and Dumber in its day was kind of a phenomenon. Like, it was on the charts for five months. Yeah, well, it's a good soundtrack. And, and it, uh, for a movie... Made for $17 million, it made $247 million. This was yeah, a monster. Yeah, and Jeff Daniels' uh, agent begged him, begged him not to do this movie. Like, up to the day that they were about to start, everyone begged him. They said it would be the end of your career. <laughs> and he said, nope, I have to do this. Yep. The other thing so. about this movie, between production starting and the movie coming out, um, his movie Ace Ventura became a massive hit and Jim Carrey was able to negotiate for a much bigger salary to the tune of $7 million. Oh my God. What was happening in 1994 where we thought that Jim Carrey was an acceptable alternative to whatever else we had going on? I really don't know. I'm not. I, that's one of those. The Jim Carrey phenomenon is one we can't explain because also The Mask came out in 1994. Yeah, like between Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, there was Mask Mania. And I, I just don't know. But okay, so look at these numbers, though. So Jim Carrey pulled $7 million on a $17 million budget. <sighs> Jeff Daniels 
They offered him $50,000 thinking there's no way this legitimate actor would take this job. And he straight up just said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. No negotiating, no nothing. I cannot sanction either of their buffoonery. No. But apparently Jim Carrey was the one who wanted Jeff Daniels. He said, like, we've got to have a real legit actor to ground my buffoonery. And he pushed for Jeff (laughs) Daniels. To sanction it, you mean? To sanction it, yes. And he got it. You know what? Good good for Jim Carrey. But the list of people who turned down this movie is also fascinating. It's staggering. Yes. So this role was actually offered to other people before Jim Carrey. Steve Martin and Martin Short both turned down the role of Lloyd. And for good reason. It's a terrible role. It, it really is. It's ex- like as as thankless as a comedy role I can Im- possibly imagine. Yes, it's just it's horrible. Rob Lowe was actually up for uh, the role of Harry. Huh. Yeah, I could kind of see that. And the original uh, script. Or rather, an unproduced draft of this script was written by John Hughes, which I bet would be a much better movie. Oh my god! Okay, I'm trying to picture that now. <laughs> it's it's like a really fucked up version of Vacation, I guess. Maybe, but hmm. um, in addition to Steve Martin and Martin Short, Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers both consider the role of Lloyd. And when Mike Myers turns down your comedy role. It's probably too much. Oh, I'm sure Wayne's World 2 was much more attractive, yeah. Yeah, but also, you think of, like, Austin Powers being annoying. Oh, actually, yeah, you're right. So, additionally, Chris Elliott and Chris Farley were briefly considered for the part of Harry. I could see Chris Farley as being as a Harry. That might work. But only up against more like a Steve Martin Lloyd, because then you get, like, a... Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, mm, kind of yeah. thing. You end up with a much sweeter movie. Well, and, and also, if you're if Chris Farley is going to be Harry, then Harry has to be the comic relief. Exactly, he's not the straight man. So there's a much better version of this somewhere. But at the same time, like I really don't need to see them remake this movie. I, I don't oh god, wanna... no! Please don't take that as us rebaking it. No, no, God. Don't let that happen, please. I don't need especially. To, be- yeah, sorry. Oh no, God! I don't need to see like Seth Rogen and oh God, fucking James Franco hamming it up, you know, in a Dumb and Dumber remake. I just don't need that in my life. Well, just like uh, there's a song in this movie called "If You Don't Love Me, I'll Kill Myself." If you remake Dumb and Dumber, I'll kill myself. <laughs> That's my song. <laughs> if you um, remake Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> Libby will kill me specifically for putting that into the world. Yes. Well. But this wasn't the last of Dumb and Dumber. No, there is an entire Dumb and Dumber extended universe <laughs> out there for all you Marvel fans. Like this, I'm not going to say pioneered it, but it's unprecedented how big of a comedy empire this became. <laughs> so, well, can you talk about that a little since this was your pick? Okay, sure, I guess. So, well, first things first, they made an animated TV series. They made a cartoon out of Dumb and Dumber. Uh, starring, who was it? Um, I forget the actor's name, but he play, he voices uh, Patrick on SpongeBob SquarePants as Harry. And then Matt Frewer, Max Hedrum himself as Lloyd. It lasted exactly one season, 
and it was the very last Hanna-Barbera cartoon ever produced for broadcast TV. Oh, boy. They killed Hanna-Barbera. They killed Hanna-Barbera. After this, it was all either direct-to-video or Cartoon Network, but they never aired another TV series on network television again. Thanks a lot, Dumb and Dumber. And how many seasons did the Mask cartoon get? Three, I believe. How many seasons did the Ace Ventura cartoon get? Also three. With a crossover with the mask. Yes, yes, yes. I want you to all think about that. I want you to sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Now, there was a prequel as well as a sequel. Am I correct? Yes. In uh, 2003, they made a prequel called Dumb and Dumberer, where it's, and it's about Harry and Lloyd meeting each other in, like, you know, the special needs class in a high school. Oh, that sounds progressive. Mm-hmm. That sounds sensitive. And then uh, 10 years after that, just a few years ago, they finally made a real official sequel called Dumb and Dumber 2. But the 2 is spelled T-O, because that's funny. Uh, and Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels came back for, I'm guessing, quite a lot of money. But I need to stress, so they made this cartoon in 1995, I believe. The one ep- you told me to go and watch some of this so that we could like commiserate and be ter- be you know dumb. I want together. you to hurt the way I hurt. I hurt my brain hurts because now I care about this. The episode that I watched was episode twelve of thirteen, in which Harry and Lloyd are going back to their hometown for a third grade school reunion, hmm. which is and it tells the story of how Lloyd got that awful looking chip in his tooth. Except if you've ever seen Dumb and Dumber or, or in fact, listened to the last five minutes of this podcast, you would know they didn't meet until high school. So the prequel retcons the cartoon out of existence. Huh. And that is a sentence I never thought I would have to say (laughs) in this or any lifetime. (laughs) The one episode of the Dumb and Dumber cartoon I watched wound up being the one that, like, shatters continuity of the entire universe. (laughs) Well, that's what the universe gets for existing. It gets a boot in the face is what it gets. Yeah, well, that's how I feel after watching this movie. So so here's how we're going to do this one. We're going to give you a very brief rundown of the movie because, let's face it, nobody wants to talk about that. But then we're going to really march through the soundtrack rather than going through individual scenes and talking about the songs right. we're gonna spend more time talking about the soundtrack so joe what is this stupid god-awful movie about this stupid god-awful movie is about two d- dumb pieces of shit named harry and lloyd <laughs> lloyd is played by jim carrey and harry is played by jeff daniels they li- are like two best friends who live in providence rhode island together lloyd takes a woman to the airport because he's a, a limo driver And she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And he immediately falls in love with her. She leaves a briefcase at the airport to which he immediately goes, picks it up, retrieves it, and decides with Harry, we need to go to Aspen, Colorado to take this briefcase back to her. Not realizing the briefcase is full of ransom money for her kidnapped husband. So along this journey of theirs, they are chased by uh, two gangsters and also the FBI, who are also tailing the two gangsters and... It's about the dumb shenanigans they get up to along the way. And also, it's about Lloyd trying to like plot and scheme his way to win Mary's heart. It's a terrible plot for a movie. It also is in our uh, Road Trip series. 
Yes, because it is a road trip movie. This is a movie about two dum dums driving across America in a giant f- sheep dog because Harry used to work with animals. Yes. So it should be noted that this is a mini Earth Girls are Easy reunion because Charles Rocket shows up as one of Mary's uh, friends, I think. But who, spoiler alert, kidnapped her husband. He's the villain. Yeah. He plays another slimy Charles Rocket douchebag. And Jim Carrey plays another dum-dum. So we're just like a Gina Davis and a Jeff Goldblum away from this being Earth Girls Are Easy. (laughs) You know who I could probably see in Earth Girls Are Easy now that I think about it? Jeff Daniels. Maybe. I'm not sure where, but he would probably You know what? He could have played Michael McKeon's part. There you go. There you there go. go. But why would why have Jeff Daniels when you could have Michael McKeon? I know. It's it's just too good to pass up. So, so okay. Uh, so now now on to the soundtrack. This soundtrack is first of all, it's odd for a number of reasons, but also I feel like there's some missed opportunities because the movie features like enough music for two soundtracks. Yeah, even right off the top, um, there's a song called Boom Shakalaka by... Uh, by Apache Indian. Yes, by Apache Indians, uh, which isn't on the soundtrack. You'd think the song they opened the movie with would be on the soundtrack. Right. But it's not. And there's a song that sounds kind of like it deep in the soundtrack, but it's not the same. No, but this soundtrack is, as we said, it is spectacular (laughs) it is just everything that is really good about the 90s and some garbage but all the great jangle pop the the harmonies the crunchy guitars they're all here this is what the 90s sounds like and it's marvelous it really is yeah now so i guess the next question that i have to ask uh libby did you are you were you familiar with this movie or the soundtrack at all before we did this episode? I was familiar with the movie. I saw it in theaters, uh, my little park theater in Cobleskill, New York, and I don't remember liking it then. I didn't dislike it, but I was—I mean, I was a big fan of Ace Ventura. I still think Ace Ventura is funny, despite it being like incredibly transphobic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I was disappointed in. Joe, tell me about your experience with this movie. Um, this was one that like my cousins and I watched a lot when we were kids. Like we'd have sleepovers at, you know, relatives' houses and they would always bust out the dumb and dumber tape. So mm-hmm. I think part of the reason I liked this was because I liked it then because my cousins liked it. And then I just, it was a little bit of uh, Stockholm syndrome, but then <laughs> watching it for this, like I still laughed plenty at plenty of the dumb jokes. So like it oh. still works on me. I can't deny it. <laughs> but like I can at least acknowledge that yes several things about this are tasteless and awful. Yeah, it's it's not great. But um But also oh, what's interest- oh I'm oh. sorry, last thing. The soundtrack, I did own this soundtrack as a kid. I listened That's to- really cool. I listened to it a lot. It was one of the first like CDs I was able to buy with my own money. That's awesome cuz it is a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um I would have never thought to pick up this soundtrack. Although I was familiar with um with one piece on it which we'll get to in a minute. Right. But um one of the things that I noticed about this movie, uh, it is on streaming. Uh, it's on Amazon. 
and on YouTube and a couple other streaming services. It also still plays regularly. It was listed as being on Comedy Central this weekend. Yeah, it's a it's a, a cable, one of those basic cable staples you hear so much about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also, uh, it is directed by Oscar winner. Was it Peter Farrelly who won the Oscar? Yeah, it was Peter. It's it's directed by Oscar winner Peter Farrelly. So I want you to think about that, everybody. Oscar winner Peter Farrelly's debut film, Dumb and Dumber. So uh, we're going to go in uh, order of this soundtrack. Uh, we'll probably skip a couple. There are some tracks on here that are sort of <laughs> like meh. Um, but we're going to point out the really good ones. And also like the last track on the soundtrack appears very early in the film. So we're going to go all over the place. Yes. So the first track is actually another in our Under the Covers series. This is going to be a, a covers-heavy episode, by the way. Yes. Um, what's the second? Because there's Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. There's uh, oh. You Sexy Thing. There's Hurdy Gurdy Man. And there's Get Ready. Um, the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead, which is done by the Crash Test Dummies, who, like many bands on this album, were having a moment. Let's go to a clip. Now, I don't know how I discovered this song, probably through the magic of downloading uh, just random stuff. I was really into the Crash Test Dummies in about 2004, which would have been uh, about uh, 10 years after uh, God Shuffled His Feet right. came out. Yeah. And that was their big album. Um, the song mm, is also on this soundtrack. Um, or rather, is also in the film, but not on the soundtrack. Right. It, yeah, it doesn't appear on the, the soundtrack. So I, I downloaded this one along with another track called Get You in the Morning, both of which feature uh, keyboardist Ellen Reed on vocals. Now, this is a cover of the XTC song from 1992's Nunsuch, and it's a Christ parable. It's pretty blatant. But this one takes it a little up-tempo. Mm-hmm. And I love Ellen Reed's voice. It's so luxurious, especially in contrast to Brad Roberts. Like he's got that rich, rich bass voice. The drums really pop on this. And there's you got that like harmonica fill. That great harmonica sound. Yeah, I love like, that. Right at the top. I, it's, it's, I, it's not that dissimilar from the XTC version, but they just they do, like you you said, they just kind of make it pop a little bit more. Yeah. It's it's a lot more fun not quite i don't want to say church like there's because it doesn't have like a gospel sound to it but it definitely sounds like a religion you could get behind and this one got a the video yes this was the big single this okay uh all of the dumb and dumber like sequels we talked about earlier this is the one true sequel to dumb and dumber right here is this video because it features uh uh, Jeff Daniels is back playing Harry, you know, trips and falls. He's in Canada for some reason, I guess because the band is Canadian. Yep. He trips and falls into a pile of garbage, gets a pumpkin, gets a jack-o'-lantern stuck on his head, runs around town, basically playing out the lyrics to the song. Um, all, very nearly gets, like, lynched for it. Gets murdered. Yeah, because uh, there's a bank robbery. 
and they tri- he trips the robbers the money goes everywhere and this man sees him just like giving out the money as it goes everywhere yeah and so it kind of starts this religion based around him and all of the like r- the people following this religion are like holding their heads in pain the way he is like he's trying to get the pumpkin off his head and he can't mm-hmm. do it <laughs> so they kind of sway but um the third verse of this song and particularly this version always gives me chills because it talks mm-hmm. about how you know the the people in power crucify peter pumpkinhead and that is 100% what would happen if the messiah however you see the messiah if you believe in the messiah came down to earth right now the so-called like the christian right would absolutely crucify this weird socialist hippie oh yeah like instantaneously Mm -hmm. so that that verse always just sort of like oh it gives me chills now are, are you familiar at all with the backstory to this song like where it comes from I'm not. It's 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 kind of a fun little story. So I guess it was either you know one whichever member of the band, uh, XTC, Andy Partridge, Andy Partridge uh, wrote the song. He apparently would walk through his garden to his little uh, uh, writing nook in the backyard, and he at some point had put a jack o' lantern on like a fence post because he just loved it too much. He couldn't throw it away, and every day he'd walk past it and it'd get a little bit more decrepit, a little bit more decomposed. And he felt he felt so bad for it, and he decided to write a song about you know what would cause a person like that to suffer that fate, and thus the ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. That is adorable, especially <laughs> considering that Andy Partridge recently went insane. <laughs> And decided to, like, say that the Holocaust wasn't real. Oh, for fuck's sake. I know. And it was, like, right after I bought Oranges and Lemons on vinyl, which is my favorite XTC album. I'm like, are you fucking for real, man? You, Do I got to put you in the Morrissey bin? You assholes won't let us have anything. <laughs> yeah. Just, come on, that sucks. Andy. That sucks. I think he just needs some medication, mm. though. So, for all intents and purposes, this is now a Crash Test Dummies song. It is absolutely a Crash Test Dummies song. Sorry, guys. Uh, Ellen Reed kind of stole it from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so. it's it's kind of all downhill from here, though. Oh, I disagree. It's I, I'd say it's a slow, steady decline. No, no. I, there's so much on here I love. Uh, this song, by the way, appears um, when they are at the diner right before they kill mental with hot peppers yes it's playing in the diner diner is called dante's inferno and it's a hot pepper themed diner like the kind of roadside diner that that you love to see on road trips yeah that doesn't really exist because everything's a fucking starbucks now it's true now um the majority of the music in this is going to be either like quote-unquote playing on the radio or playing in in rest stops and diners yeah yeah so, which is a neat feature of the road trip movie. But then there are songs like, um, we'll get to this in a moment, Too Much of a Good Thing, that the movie apparently just loves and will play that the that song cue over and over and over again. Yeah, but- and I kept waiting for it to start, and then it just wouldn't, have, which I was sad about, because I... You can't have too much of a good no, thing. But too, in, but too in much of a good thing. In the case of this song. I, too much of a good thing ironically appears three times in the film. 
still not too much. Yep. So, all right. What's track two? Uh, track number two is by a band called Dead Eye Dick, and the song is New Age Girl. Let's take a listen. Right. She drives a wind car. How does she like it? It doesn't get her far. Why she doesn't bike it? But it gets her to where she's going. I don't know. This was apparently the other uh, single off of this album. Crash Test Dummies had the first, and then Dead Eye Dick got the second. Yeah, nice try, guys. This one didn't land for me. It's all right. It appears in the film kind of late when um, Harry gets sort of conned into going skiing with Mary in Aspen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're they're having a good time, and he's kind of being a goober. And... uh, no, oh no no no! It's at the beginning of the scene where he's he's showing up and just being a goober because he doesn't know what the fuck normal people do, and he makes an ass of himself. But she, you know, kind of smiles and looks the other way because oh oh you. But uh, th- yeah, I, I don't yeah like you. I don't have a whole lot to say about this song. It's okay. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's so I'm so uh, yeah. Moving on. The other song on this soundtrack that really just stole my heart <laughs> was Echo Belly's Insomnia. Let's let's get a clip of that. Okay. I just want to hear it like over and over and over. Life is a gas. We never had it bad, dear. Now, one of the things with this album that I found really fascinating was that they used several sets of songwriting duos. Really? Including this band, Echo Belly. So um, what I I love about uh, Sonia Madden, she sounds like a female Morrissey, which I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a compliment because Morrissey's phrasing is immaculate. Mm-hmm. And actually, apparently Morrissey was a big fan of the band. Madonna was a big fan of the band. They still tour. Um, really? Yeah. And she's... Uh, Sonia has these incredibly like operatic vocals. And it's got that great crunchy slam of the guitar. This is legitimately... Like if if it wasn't for the ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead, which I've just you know loved for twenty years, yeah, it would be this. I really love this song, and this this kind of gets us in, away from sort of the grunge sound of like early '90s soundtracks and into that jangle pop kind of sound. It's it's mm-hmm. the kind of a transitional sort of sort of tune because a lot of these songs you could sort of charitably describe as kind of like the Gin Blossoms, but then yeah. this one's got a little bit more of like a. a a distorted edge to it that I kind of like. Yeah. And I think part of that was because they used a lot of bands from the UK, mm-hmm. which again is, is interesting when you think about that. This is an incredibly American film. Yeah. And they're pulling, you know, XTC was, was an American or XTC was a British band covered by Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, Echo Belly is a, a British band. We're going to have a Scottish band. There's uh, another band from Ireland. They pulled a lot of, you know, international resources. Yeah, yeah. 
which I really like. Um, and I think that gets us away from that American grunge sound. They're still doing the jangle pop thing over in the UK. Right. Yeah. So. And where does this song appear in the film? This song also appears in the diner when they pull the scam on Seabass. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, um, the scene features one of my favorite lines that uh, my friends and I quote to this day. We're at a restaurant and one of us will always say, what is the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, Harassing service workers is not. No, no. We will harass each other all day long. Though. Oh, yeah. It's just this movie. Like, it just has so many little pieces where it's like, this is acceptable. Mm hmm. Well, and and this the scene with Seabass is kind of the the opening salvo of a, a much longer uh, <laughs> unacceptable thing later in the oh, film. Oh God, yeah. But no, the, like the Seabass thing is just it's it's part of a much meaner streak in this film, and I feel like yes. they they did an okay job of sanding some of those awful rush rough edges off, but then like. Seabass is still here in this movie. He's yes, still terrible. And, yes, and the Seabass storyline concludes. Uh, actually, there's another song on the soundtrack, uh, which we're probably not going to get to, which is uh, Crash by the Primitives, mm -hmm. which is uh, track five, where uh, Lloyd goes to the bathroom. There's a note uh, about... You know, for sex, meet me at 2.15. He looks down at his watch. It's 2.15. The guy that is there, presumably for consensual adult relations, yes. which is fine, uh, is Seabass. And it's sort of like, oh, Seabass is gay. And then it takes what is already kind of an ugly gay joke and then turns it into a male rape joke. Yeah. All to the sounds of Crash by the Primitives. And then the entire plot line is is uh, short circuited when, when Harry crashes through the um, the the urinal no the, the bathroom stall with his leg on fire trying to find the nearest toilet, and he knocks Seabass out cold, and that's the end of that shit, and we yes. can finally move on. Yes, <laughs> and so as we said, we're kind of jumping all over the place sure. with this soundtrack. Yeah. But um, speaking of problematic scenes do you want to talk about uh track four our problematic fave on this soundtrack well track four is uh by pete droge uh the song is called if you don't love me i'll kill myself <laughs> let's take a listen Okay, so <laughs> this is the song that I, I mistook earlier. This is the one where Harry and Mary are, are on the ski slopes and they're building a snowman, all set to, if you don't love me, I'll kill myself. <laughs> and it's a pleasant enough song until you start listening to the lyrics. I know. It's what the kids call a problematic fave. I love mm -hmm. this. I, I know. love this song. It's actually it's pretty catchy. It's deceptively catchy. 
Yeah, and I think it's in that sort of that like 90s irony. Maybe. That you get, and that's sort of like that melodramatic 90s boy way. Uh, honestly, my 90s boyfriend, you don't know him. He lives in Canada. He sure could have like, won does. me over with this on a mixtape. It <laughs> has this delightful, like sort of effervescent chord progression. And but that somehow remains kind of grounded. I can't I can't explain it. It's it's lovely and it's lilting, but it's also so sour underneath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think what it is and this song and a lot of the other songs on the soundtrack, like a lot of the jangle pop tunes, they have kind of a folksy quality to them. And I kind of I kind of imagine that they picked these songs because they're up in the mountains, they're up in the Rockies at a ski resort. And it's, you know, it's in the backwoods and it's kind of folksy, but it's also like extremely like highfalutin and rich and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a, a, a dark underbelly to that. Like, sure, it's backwoodsy and folksy, but there's millions of dollars at play here, too. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, Droge appears in Almost Famous. That really? Yes. He plays the, uh, the Hyatt singer and is performing small time blues. Uh, with Elaine Summers. Oh, he also wow. later formed a super group called The Thorns with Matthew Sweet, who I love, and Sean Mullins, who is the worst. Wow. I heard that song Lullaby the other day. Oh, God. And I was ready to kill. I was like, I haven't heard this song in years, and I'm going to kill everybody here. I was like, where have I heard that name, Sean Mullins? But as soon as you said Lullaby, like, oh, my blood started to boil again. Exactly. It's if I ever hear Lullaby again, I'll kill myself. So when um when I picked up the soundtrack to this uh at the at the bookstore the other day, uh thank you for the two dollars, by the way. Um, <laughs> you're you're welcome. <laughs> on the the rack of like, you know, very scratched discs and bargain discs, like not far from the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack was the Pete Droge album that this song comes from. So huh. and it was for a quarter. <laughs> oh, you should go back and pick it up. I, I bet there's some real gems. It on probably there. is. But like that I looked it up. That album came out like a year after this film. So this this soundtrack is kind of like your um uh your preview of the Pete Droge album because they put that song on this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So like there again, like you know, '90s soundtracks helping out sort of young artists by featuring some of their songs and getting people to maybe go out and check out their uh, full records. Yeah, or you know, twenty years later, find it for a quarter. Yeah. He'll ne- he'll never see a one red cent of that twenty five cents. Oh, he deserves it. Oh. Don't give it to Sean Mullins. He doesn't. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I I finally saw the new Star Wars, and I've got Palpatine on the brain. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh God, that's right. You're extra salty tonight. You bet your ass I'm salty tonight. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, no, uh, anything else about uh, if you don't love me, I'll kill myself. No, just that I love it. And think it's the best. It's good stuff. Like it's again, it's a problematic fave, but it's still pretty good. I know it's hard to. I hate. shouldn't like it again. Like me being hyper aware of these things. But no, okay, we. I we, just I'm a sucker for for a jangle pop. I'm sorry. I just I am. You can put anything in jangle pop form, and I'll listen to it. Okay, but we need to like back up from it though, because like this song is like this song is Lloyd Christmas, like in music form. You oh know, yeah, it's absolutely like the definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah, he is, you know, this person who is singing. I, I imagine this song is about Mary Swanson from Lloyd's perspective. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised it wasn't playing in the limo. That would have been another 
good cue for it. Yeah, yeah. But so I I feel like they also they they kind of knew what they were doing with this one. Like they maybe picked out a couple of songs that kind of informed what Lloyd was going through. Maybe not so much Harry, but Lloyd definitely. Yeah. Harry is an empty vessel. Lloyd is a whirlwind of horrible intentions. And he needs a dumb, but well-meaning adult to keep him on the rails. And that's what Harry is for. <sighs> that's a scary thought. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? I think too many people grew up idolizing Lloyd. Uh, I... Honestly, Jim Carrey's probably a huge part of our national uh, problem with men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, I said it. I, I can't disagree. I really can't. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why people hated the cable guy so much because he's playing such an openly hateful awful person and it's just like it's saying the quiet part out loud and people didn't like that i guess but he's so hateful and awful in this i'm like what's the difference uh, i mean it, he he's hiding it i guess than, although you know. the cable guy i feel like that fuses the nexus of like the horror that will become matthew broderick and godzilla and the horror of Jim Carrey, it, like, brings all of that together <laughs> to, like, an evil science experiment. Mm, yeah. And also, that soundtrack is extremely, like, mid-90s grunge, and it's extremely me, so I will not be subjecting you to it anytime soon. <laughs> I sure you'll find a way. You always find a way. All right, so where do you want to go from here? Well, let me just run through a couple of the songs in here, and, and you stop me when you feel like there's something worth talking about here, okay? Yeah. So next on the soundtrack, we've got uh, The Primitives with Crash. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's ugh, Willy One Blood with Whiny Whiny, which might be the worst song we've ever mentioned on this podcast. Oh, I didn't even. That one managed to somehow slip by me. So let's not talk about it because it clearly upsets you. And actually, you know what? No, I want to hear why it upsets you. It's just a dumb, bad novelty song that I don't like. And I think they put it on the soundtrack because it was funny sounding. But let's play a clip then. Okay. You know what really drives me crazy? Uh-huh. Man, you know what really drives me mad? So that's what you get. <laughs> this is what I'm imagining is a reggae artist uh performing a song that samples uh, Henry Mancini's Baby Elephant Walk from the John Wayne movie Hatari for basically no reason. And also he does lines from the Kinks' You Really Got Me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what this is or why it's here, but here it is. <laughs> and again, having watched the Dumb and Dumber cartoon today and having seen The Rise of Skywalker today, my brain is melting and I want to die. <laughs> it's what you deserve. You, you can, Not to die, this song. You can keep saying that, but it doesn't make it better. It's not supposed to make it better. It's supposed to make you think about what you've done. I know. I Listen, <laughs> I think about what I've done every day of my life, okay? But no, All right. this song appears in, okay, in the hotel bar scene. Lloyd and Harry have made it to Aspen. Harry has set up a quote-unquote date with, with Lloyd and Mary at the hotel bar, which is actually a ruse because Harry is going skiing with Mary. Lloyd is drinking and away his his you know worries at the bar, and this song is playing on the radio in the background. Yeah, this sounds like the worst bar ever, and I do not want to go. Also, of note, the only other thing of note about this entire thing is that the bar and the hotel it's in 
They are the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which is the hotel that inspired the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Yes, and supposedly Jim Carrey asked to stay in 217, about three hours later came running out and would not talk about what happened in there. To this day, he's never said a word. Come on, OST party, Jim Carrey. Tell us what happened, and we will never make fun of you again, I promise. Was it the old lady in the bathtub? It was the old lady in the bathtub, wasn't it? Yeesh. Hey, let's move on. Yes, because we've actually got a really good song. Yes, coming up, coming right up next. Uh, with, because next on the soundtrack is The Suns featuring Brett Riley with Too Much of a Good Thing. Oh, yes. Let's listen. Chilling the air coming off the river tonight. Sure am glad I chose my sweater. Walk alone, I walk alone tonight. Yeah, I felt better. But I know. This is some more delightful Brit rock. This again, that great like that British jangle pop. I uh, it I really love just the the how it grinds in the chorus and the rest of it is they got like a kind of a solid back and forth kind of sway to it. Yeah. Just you know, I just imagine like you know bopping along to this on headphones. Just like it just has a, a I don't want to say a sweetness to it lyrically because it doesn't but there's a just kind of a honey tang on it i like that description yeah yeah it's a uh, melancholy but sweet and this is one that the the soundtrack uses repeatedly yeah like three times and it's always the kind of in the same way like it's always as a scene transition to move on to the next thing in the movie Mm -hmm. so and it's it's tough because because I listened to the soundtrack, then watched the movie, then re-listened to the soundtrack. And so I kept waiting for it to start. And then it wouldn't. And then it, you know, kind of did that. We first hear it, uh, and it, it's only a couple bars. Yeah, it's uh, just he, that intro. Yeah. When he goes to pick up Mary for the first time. Yeah. Wow. And then, um, oh. And then again, when they are pulled over by uh, a bike cop played by Harlan Williams. Oh boy! And then again, when um, after after Lloyd has this very extended dream sequence about Mary, and the uh, the gangsters are kind of on their tail, they play the song again. Mm-hmm. And, and just that yeah, that little fill, that little fill. That's all they need. And then again, one last time, <laughs> when Lloyd takes Mary to his hotel room to to give her the briefcase at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So they definitely get their mileage out of that oh, that intro of the song. Yeah, and it's it's a great intro. It does. It works. It really does. Yeah, and I want to point out um, the music for this film was written by Todd Rundgren. Really? Yes. Like the actual like the actual Todd Rundgren. Well, wow. Which and I think that might explain one. There's there is a Todd Rundgren song we'll get to. Yeah. But I feel like that explains a lot of why it's so elevated mm-hmm. and and why this wasn't something that was just slapped together yeah because there are there are some very um, like emotional music moments in this in this film mm-hmm. um the one that i'm thinking of right off the top of my head is when harry and lloyd are kind of uh have a a 
a, a breakup, if you will, because Lloyd accidentally went the wrong way on the highway. And all of a sudden, I think I think Harry says he drove a six of the way across the country in the wrong direction. Yeah. And then as they're as they're breaking up, they play the uh, the most dramatic part of the crash test dummy song. Mm 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 mm. Which works. It really works yeah. in the movie. Like fucking nails it. If you didn't know that was already a song, you would think that was just written for the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just want to give a shout out. God Shuffled His Feet is an amazing song. I know that that song is kind of, it's it's a parody. Weird Al has parodied, parodied it in mm-hmm. Headline yep. News. Um, but that whole album is phenomenal. There's like a T.S. Eliot riff. Um, it's funny. It's weird. It's I I really really recommend God Shuffled This Feet. It's great if you if you really like the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead, that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ghosts That Haunt Me is a another another good one. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, the Crash Test Dummies are are worth a listen. Yeah, because I mean, everyone knows that one song, but uh, I don't think many people really gave them the time of day after that. Yeah. So that song is actually pretty awesome i was listening to it yeah um we actually skipped over a track uh we skipped the gigolo ants where do i find my heaven well i got the i got the album here we're not quite there yet oh okay my listing says um it's track seven interesting okay well um unless you have anything to say about uh delight covering you sexy thing it's terrible and i hate it it's not great while we're here just talking about terrible covers. Let's talk about Green Jelly's The Bear Song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here's my thought on this. Gen X, guys, why do you fucking do this? I get it. You're angry because all because for some reason flannel came back in and your jeans all have holes on them and you don't have dads. But for fuck's sake, like all of you. Just you had to gritty reboot everything, including just the bear went over the mountain. We get it. You're so mad and everything is so irony drenched. Well, you motherfuckers grew up and you had to do gritty reboots of everything. And that's why we have Batman Begins. That's why we have all these shitty Star Wars films, because you're just, you know, 50 and you're mad at the world. Well, stop it. Grow up. It's over. Stop with the gritty shit. It wasn't funny in 1994, and it's not funny now. I mean, it's still pretty funny. <laughs> no, I said what I said. <laughs> this shit just makes me angry. <laughs> I have I don't really have a defense against this. I think you're mostly pretty much right. It's just that I I like dumb shit like this, and I think it's no. funny. <laughs> and I know I'm part of the problem. I know I'm you part, are part of the, of the problem. problem. But like, no, the, just... the fucking bear song is a hundred times better than their stupid bullshit three little pigs thing. So, I mean, they got that going for them, but I don't know. Punk and grunge covers of everything are that is the worst way to do anything. It's just it's a bad way to go through life. Yeah. Like, ooh, we're going to make our childhood dark and edgy because we're sad. Stop it fucking create something new don't just again that we see this we saw it in 1994 and we should have known that it was coming you know all these years down the line they couldn't come up with anything new so they just fucked with something old yeah just just saying i I, I can't argue against this because 
You're right. Yeah. You're definitely right. Mm-hmm. So. Someone's probably going to make a gritty reboot of Dumb and Dumber because they're just like, oh, I like that movie in 1994 and I haven't matured or anything since and I'm so angry because I can't get laid. No, they didn't need to make a gritty reboot. They made a 20 years later sequel and it was still terrible. Because <laughs> if we can't do a gritty reboot, we can definitely bring back old actors and pay them a shitload of money to do the same thing again. Ugh. So, you know... We can't have we can't have nice things because the old things won't go the fuck away. No, and that's what I'm thinking as we headed to the the Gigolo Ant song, Where Do I Find My Heaven? You've got these beautiful harmonies and the nineties had so much to offer us as far as music goes. I mean you had you had grunge, which was wonderful and authentic. You had uh you had still had Jangle Pop coming out. You had beautiful effervescent bands like the Coke Two Twins. There was so much creative energy going on and we threw it all away for boy bands and rap rock. Listen, Kurt Cobain killed himself and Billy Corgan shaved his head. So I don't fucking know. Everything sucks now. Yeah. It's just like we 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 had we had it all. <laughs> we had it all and we had to let uh uh fucking Backstreet Boys take over the world. I know. Thanks a lot, Back- teenage girls. Honestly, Backstreet Boys, whatever. It's in sync. <laughs> and mostly it's because Justin Timberlake is such a toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. So back, I mean, because there's always been boy bands, like there's new kids on the block, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's that Justin Timberlake sucks so hard. Justin Timberlake said, you know who can be the next Michael Jackson? I can be the next Michael Jackson. Yeah. I'd like to hit that guy with a two by four. Who, Michael Jackson? He's dead. No, Justin Timberlake. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's allowed. <laughs> Michael Jackson's going to get what's coming to him. I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Let's get back on track, shall we? Yes. We're actually almost finished. We were talking about the jiggle ants, where I find my heaven. Yes. And how it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. Where does this appear in the film? Oh, jeez, yeah. Oh, I remember. This is when uh, Harry and Lloyd come back together. Lloyd has found a uh, a pocket bike. By trading in the giant sheepdog car, which is a crime on its own. Yeah, that car's amazing. I would absolutely drive across that. I love how they describe it like they're driving a 1984 sheepdog. Yeah, like they don't <laughs> know what to That's the only joke it. I laughed at. <laughs> but they're driving through like the, the Rockies to this song as they like drive into, make the final like descent into Aspen, basically. Yes, and they're freezing yeah. because they're on a mini bike. There's later, there's a joke later where, uh, you know, Harry is freezy. He's like, I can't feel my fingers. And Lloyd's like, oh, you know, I'll lend you my extra gloves. He's <laughs> like, you've had extra gloves this whole time. That got a chuckle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're in the Rockies. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, my actual, like, favorite line in this movie. Uh, when Lloyd makes the wrong turn and they're driving through Nebraska. Expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. That John Denver's full of shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Having driven across Kansas to see the biggest ball of twine, as per mm-hmm. our last episode, mm-hmm. it's it really is flat like that. I would love to see that sometime. Yeah, you kind of can't comprehend how flat it is. Honestly, I'm surprised we couldn't see the biggest ball of twine from 75 miles away. You couldn't see it coming? Yeah. Because oh, it is that flat. Wow. Yeah, it's... That's it's a sight that I have to see sometime. 
Yeah, try seeing it for nine straight hours. I'm ready. I don't care. People tell me I'm crazy, but like that's what I want to see. Yeah. My, There's uh, nothing to see out there. That's the point. That's what I want to see. It is kind of fascinating. Uh, while complaining about it, my buddy uh, David Reese Snell, uh, Shattered Shield fan, uh, fans know who I'm talking about. I complained about that he is a uh, Kansas native, and he said, and I quote, the scenery is the sky, Libby. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the tourist trap you need that's god kansas is god's tourist trap yeah the only good thing to come out of kansas honestly is david reese snell that man's a babe i'll take your word for that oh yeah he can oh, get it <laughs> so where are we going next on this uh wacky road trip of ours we're gonna finish up with the uh, get ready by the proclaimers which is a temptations cover to me it's my dream real I tell them you do You're out of sight So feet five Four fun Look out baby Cause here I come I'm bringing you a love that's true So get ready Get ready I'm gonna try to make you love me too so Ed, you can definitely kind of hear where the kinks might have cribbed a little bit for uh, You Really Got Me Mm-hmm. They just like stole just a little bit of that. Now, this was a moment where the Proclaimers were having like a really hot minute. Their most famous song, uh, I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles, which you all have now just started hearing in your head, was used the previous year in 1993's Benny and June. A soundtrack we might get to at some point because that, that one seems kind of important if only yeah. for that song. And that's a great movie. I've actually never seen it. Oh, Benny and June is great. And I know that Johnny Depp is canceled now, mostly because he sucks and beats his wife. Mm-hmm. But uh, that movie, that's one of those movies you look at and you're like, man, Johnny Depp was so good. Remember when this man has showed promise? I know. He's sort of the <laughs> Morrissey of Hollywood. Yeah. He's just like, no, why are you bad now? Every time he does something new, people are just like, so we're still doing this? Really? Yeah. Morrissey's got a new album coming out called I Am Not a Dog on Your Leash or something like that. And I'm like, God, you suck. <laughs> Dude, you wrote The Queen is Dead. Why do you suck so fucking hard? But um, anyway, back to the Proclaimers. Yeah. Um, This would not be the last time we would hear them. For starters, I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles has been used in like a million soundtracks. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I... Uh, a couple of years later, 2001, we'd hear them again on the Shrek soundtrack. Really? I'm trying to remember the song. It's called I'm On My Way. Okay, I do kind of remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, we so they have, do we have to do Shrek? I feel like we already said our piece on Shrek. We've covered Shrek, so no, we don't. Thank um, you. But this, I, I like this song. It's not as good as I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles. It's not even as good as I'm on my way, but it's a little more of that, little more of the punk side of their folk punk styling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of a, I hate to use this analogy, but it's got kind of a driving force to it, which yeah. is uh, you know appropriate because this is the song that starts the road trip in the movie. Yep. It's like as they're driving out of you know Rhode Island, this is the song that plays. Like, get ready, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, the Farrelly brothers, you know, they're from Rhode Island, so a lot of their movies either take place in Providence or they're shot in Providence. And this movie's no exception. Like, the first scenes in this movie are, like, 
I guess the rundown back streets of Providence, Rhode Island. And then as soon as they get out of town, you know, it's farmlands and Rockies as far as the eye could see. Mm-hmm. I thought the Rockies would be rockier. <laughs> John Denver's full of shit, man. <laughs> oh. So and now there's there's one last song, mm-hmm. which doesn't appear to actually be on the soundtrack. Well, that's it's not alone. There's a bunch of music in this movie that's well, not no. on the soundtrack. But that's it's notable. Okay. Because it's the end theme. Oh right, yes, it's the uh, the Rembrandts with "Rolling Down the Hill." Yeah, let's let's, let's play a little of that. So this was exciting to find that the Rembrandts had another song. Yeah, and they and they weren't just like a, a manufactured to do the Friends theme. Yeah, um, this this was kind of this was interesting because a few months from now, this song it has all the right pieces. It has the harmonies. It's got the you know kind of blister guitar spikes. It doesn't fit as well as the others. And again, this was our our third duo on the right. soundtrack. They were just months away from having the biggest song in the universe. So they really didn't need the uh, the, the boost from this album. But it but couldn't have hurt. No. Uh, of course, we're talking about I'll Be There For You from the Friends soundtrack. Yes. Which yes. there was a time where if you went into any UCD store, this is probably true, you would find their first album. <laughs> with that song on it with the little sticker that said like featuring so actually that wasn't their first I believe that was actually their third because this song was originally on their second album uh, which was titled Untitled huh. so I think uh, I think I'll Be There For You appeared in the third album didn't even finish the album before putting it out huh good for them <laughs> I just I want to talk about uh, a, a memory I have of the Friends theme real quick okay so last year uh, my brother and some friends of mine went to uh, MAGFest up in Washington, D.C. It's a video game convention. We're sitting in, uh, like, the one restaurant in this hotel, and it's just full of nerds as far as the eye can see. And we're all, everybody's having dinner and just, you know, kind of doing their thing, very low-key, very normal for MAGFest, at least. And then the Friends theme comes on over the radio, over oh, the, the loudspeakers, and you, you know what's coming. I do. And so the first lines come on. So no one told... Told you that life is going to be this way. The entire bar cla- does the hand claps. <laughs> Completely unprovoked. I was about to Every- do them here. Everyone was on the same page and everybody did it. And as soon as we all did it, everyone burst out laughing. That's we, the best. We knew we were in, you know, we were in good hands. <laughs> I have never seen an episode of Friends. You're not missing much. No, it's just like, no thanks. We were a Seinfeld family. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. So. I'm still a Seinfeld kid, and people are like, "Really, Seinfeld?" Are there are there any other uh, notables that uh, weren't on the soundtrack for you? Oh, oh, so many, so so many. I mean, we've got um, "Can We Still Be Friends" by Todd Rundgren. Yes, we there's, our, there's our Todd Rundgren, um, which I'm surprised isn't on the soundtrack, seeing as how Todd Rundgren wrote all the music for it, like wrote the score. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like one of the songs that I think about when I think about the movie. Like it just pops into my head that song. 
mm-hmm. not on the soundtrack. And it's a that is a perfect music cue. It is because it's right at the end where she introduces them to her husband. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> and like Charles Rocket has been arrested, and her husband's back. And the like the first like line of that song, we can't play this game anymore, but can we still be friends? <laughs> oh, it's a heartbreaker. I know it's great. It's the best music cue in the whole the whole mm-hmm. movie. So again, it's it's a music cue where Lloyd is like once and for all getting shunted into the friend zone. Yes, uh, well deservedly. Oh, uh, yeah. He has a brief fantasy of shooting her husband, which is not toxic and terrible at all. Maybe that was funny in 1994. It's horrific. Oh my now. god, yeah. I was just I mean, like, holy shit. I mean, I'm laughing at it now, but good lord. Ugh, it's rough. Yeah, it's, it's like mean, actively stressful for me. It, it really is. So, I mean, do you want me to just keep listing off songs, or do you want to... Uh, well, the like, one oh. that, that stood out to me was uh, Nick Cave's Red Right Hand. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> really? <laughs> We're going to do this right we're now? Gonna, we're going to do really? this. God damn it, Libby. So... You know I have receipts, right? <laughs> Don't lie to me. Don't lie to these people. <laughs> so I love this song. and I. It's first... a good song. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The first time I heard this song was actually in an anime music video, which should have been my first cue. This song, well, it's great. And it actually is from an album that came out that year. It's from Let Love In, which also has Nobody's Baby Now, which is my favorite Nick Cave song. Now, see, I don't know enough about Nick Cave. I just assumed that was a, an old song at that point. No. Even at that point. Wow. No. Huh. Yep. Okay. 19, 1994. Um, and when did this movie come out? 1994. No, but I mean like what month? Oh, like uh, I think it came out like Christmas 1994. Okay. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. Yeah, because uh, this album came out uh, in October. Let Love oh, In was okay. out, um, so it was out just before this movie hit, uh, which might explain why it's not on the soundtrack. Um, That's fair. But this song has been used something like 10 billion times, which to me at least, and again, I love this song, I love Nick Cave, that makes it all-star for theater nerds and goths it has been (laughs) nice i love it it was first in dumb and dumber then it was in songs in the key of x music from and inspired by the x files i don't think it was inspired by the x files don't flatter yourself guys it was in scream it was in box of moonlight a cover version of it by pete yorn appeared in hellboy i'll stump for that one that's a good version (sighs) good cover (laughs) <laughs> it was also in Cirque du Freak, the vampire's assistant. It is the title track for Peaky Blinders and also something called Wentworth. Huh. There is a remixed version by DJ Spooky. I don't know who that is, but I hate him. In Scream 2. And then That's... he recorded another version uh, for Scream 3, which Nick Cave refers to as Red Right Hand 2, uh, which he Left also hand. released, I guess. On B-Sides and Rarities. Okay. It was, I take that back, it was used in the X-Files. It was used in the episode Ascension. Okay. It was also used in Hollyoaks and uh, Jack Irish. Neat. Yeah. And we talked about this, you know, in our back channel. I seem to recall this also being in Mars Attacks, but I, I, 
I haven't seen Mars Attacks in 20 years, so I might be wrong about that. The only thing I remember from Mars Attacks is Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a the joke only for Doug. <laughs> that's, that's all you need, yeah, is Tom Jones. <laughs> but yeah, so this, this song gets around, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, it does. Like your mom. You leave my mother out of this. <laughs> oh, things are fun when they're fun. So any last thoughts? <laughs> We have fun, don't we? Um, other songs that are in the movie but not on the soundtrack, uh, we've got, let's see here. Uh, when Lloyd has his dream sequence about Mary, about like finding Mary and giving her the briefcase, we've got uh, the cow sills with the rain, the park, and other things, which is a weird it, song. Yeah, but it deserved better than this. It really did. Um, then we've got, you know, mm 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 as we've mentioned. And then um, Pretty Woman... Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman in a, mont- a montage that I assume is a parody of a scene in Pretty Woman. I probably, but also Pretty Woman is like 1960s uh, All-Star. <laughs> yeah. It it's used in everything. Fucking everywhere. So, yeah, there you have it. Dumb and Dumber has an interesting, eclectic soundtrack and could have been a double album if they so chose. Yeah. It really, it, I'm almost disappointed that it isn't. Yeah, because we could have had we could have had a lot of fun with some of the really weird things on this soundtrack. I mean, they could have even put Mockingbird on here. No, and <laughs> not even the James Taylor version. No. Okay. Yeah, and I'm saying that as someone who likes James Taylor. That's fair. That's fine. I'm not allowed to have any fun on this show. No, <laughs> you picked this. I know, and I'm trying to have fun. <laughs> There's so no the, fun. The last educational note I will give you for this album. This, oh, boy. I, this album, album, the soundtrack thing. The executive in charge of music on this album was Toby Emmerich, who went on to be the head of uh, production at New Line Cinema. But at, during his time as the music executive, he also produced the soundtracks to The Mask and The Wedding Singer. We're a fan of him on this show. <laughs> And also a little film that you and I have covered on uh, Christmas Creeps, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Wow. Yeah. That's, so he, he gets he, around. That's awesome. He, so he definitely, uh, I think he knew what he was doing. I yeah. really do. Because the He's, soundtrack, as we've kind of established, is really, really good. It's a fucking jam. And, uh, you know, this one's great. Uh, the The Wedding Singer is great. The Mask has some good points. The Mask is an interesting collection. Yeah, The Mask is a good start. It's got... The, the Mask really suffers more from the fact that it's The Mask. It, the soundtrack has a lot of promise. It's the movie that ruins it. Yeah, that's I, I tend to agree. Yeah. So, so um, this, this, this very well may not be the last we've heard of Toby Emmerich. And it won't be the last we've heard of Jim Carrey. That is for damn sure. <laughs> You're going to make sure of that. That's true. I I will. I will. All in good time, though. Uh, So, yeah. Libby, would you recommend the soundtrack? Absolutely. One million percent. This is a great soundtrack. Buy it right Mm -hmm. now. Get it on vinyl if you can. That would be a good get. Yeah, absolutely. So, Um, Joe, would you recommend this soundtrack? I would, especially if you are into songs that sound like the the Gin Blossoms (laughs) recorded them. I love the Gin Blossoms. Who doesn't like, at least like the Gin Blossoms? But, like, a lot of this soundtrack has that sound to it, and if you're in, if you're like nostalgic for the mid '90s, definitely check this album out. It's yes. good, it's a good time. 
always. Um, the the movie, eh, kind of spotty. It's yeah. funny, but it's also very iffy nowadays. If you liked that movie, don't watch it again. It's just it's not going to hold up. If you liked mm. Dumb and Dumber, just don't. It's it's not going to hold up. Let it stay in the past. Remember it fondly, but leave it at that. It it really is like one of those comedies from the nineties that looks like it was held together with like Elmer's glue and thumbtacks. <laughs> like a tilt a whirl. This movie was made by crackheads. <laughs> junkies and, and alcoholics. Junkies and alcoholics, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the OST party. I but Libby, so. yes. what are we what are we doing on the next episode? Oh, we are going back to the eighties. And we are covering nine and a half weeks. So, Joe, you can leave your hat on. We're going Ooh, all baby. in. <laughs> like an early Valentine's Day present to somebody out there. <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> going back to a time when Mickey Rourke was hot. Mm-hmm. And how. Wow. Okay, I just said that out loud. <laughs> he is he's a babe in that movie. Even you're going to be like, yeah, that man could get it. That man could get 1980s Michelle Pfeiffer. I believe it. Or is it Kim Basinger? I can't tell them <laughs> apart. Eh, they're all the same, but they're all pretty good. Yeah. So I think it's actually. <laughs> no, this will be a good time. I'm 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 curious about this one. This is this movie is gonna like wreck your life, but the soundtrack is great. You've got the Eurythmics. You've got obviously uh, Joe Cocker. Brian Ferry is on it. Okay. It's a killer. Right. And it's it's gonna be a little different than what we've done before. Sounds like a plan. I'm into it. I yeah. can't wait. So, all, all right. right. Well, let's wrap this up. Okay. Joe, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, y'all can find me on uh, Twitter at Cordial Wombat, or you can hear me talk about Christmas movies on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps. Uh, Libby, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Libby Cudmore on Twitter and at record underscore Saturday on instagram you can also hear me on uh, the shattered shield podcast we're about to start season five and all of you shield fans know what's coming Ooh boy <laughs> uh but if you do want to follow us on twitter we are at ost party or you can email us at ostpartypod at gmail.com we do uh, read your emails we will at some point read your emails <laughs> questions comments recommendations all that good stuff Send those our way, and we will uh, put it in the queue. Yes. Uh, So for the OST party, I am Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? Have you heard? She's gonna buy me a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, she's gonna buy me a diamond ring. And if that diamond ring don't sing, look, there's some people who want to ride too. Pick them up. <laughs>